you're going to do. We thank you, Father, that today we will hear from heaven. Father, we worship you and praise you that, Father, that people will receive answers to questions that they've had even while the word's being preached because, Father, you can multitask. And we just thank you for that anointing. We worship you. We praise you. We give you glory, Father. We worship you for you are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. Worthy. Worthy. We esteem the word of the Lord. We esteem the word of the Lord. Yes, we do. Thank you, Father. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Where the word of a king is, there's power. There's power. There's power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, last week we, we taught on healing, all right? And uh, I thought we were going to continue and teach that way this Sunday, but the Lord said to leave me a little bit different. But that, that teaching, I believe, is out there on Spotify um, and iHeartRadio, some others too. <clears throat> so you can go back and re-listen to that one. But the Lord said, I, I want you to talk about... On. I just sounded like I maybe uh, faded a little bit there. So if you would, open your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 12 and um, talk about some of the things that affect our prayer. And prayer simply is you fellowshipping with the Father. You know, it's one of the most misunderstood subjects in the body of Christ. Um, and most, when you talk to Christians about prayer, they have very little understanding of it than it's just, you know, things I tell God that I need. Well, you know, if you understand the word, he already knows what you have need of. Okay, so God, you know, when you tell God something that you need, he, he knows you already need it. He's, he, he's not asking you to pray because uh, he doesn't know something about you. He already knows everything. But prayer is really fellowshipping with the Lord. And fellowshipping in the, in the aspect that you're, a lot of times what you're really doing is you're just coming to an agreement with what the Father's already done, what the Father's already said. It's not so that you're asking for him to give you something that you don't possess, all right? He's already, he's already given it to you. You just found, you're, you know, in, the, in, the, in your walk with the Lord, you find out that this is what I do possess. Prayer is from the standpoint, Father, I thank you, Lord, I already got this. I already have this. But see, there's things that hinder Christians and believers from praying, and that's kind of what we want to talk, to, talk about here in Revelation 12, verse 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Now, who's that talking about? That's talking about Satan. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us night and day. He doesn't cease. So you understand that Satan operates by accusing you and he'll bring everything against you to hinder you from praying or from acting on the, the word or believing God or receiving from God. He'll bring accusations to you so that you do not move. You are almost frozen, like you're afraid to do anything. That's called fear. Now we know in 1 Timothy, it said that God didn't give us the spirit of fear. So if you're feeling, if you're feeling fearful, or afraid to ask God something, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of the accuser. Trying to get you to focus on something other than the Word of God. So what? Well, go back to John 10.10, 10, and Jesus said the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I came to give you life and life more abundance. Real simple thing. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. 
Don't ever confuse those two, but I see Christians all the time. Well, God brought this evil on me to teach me a lesson. No, he didn't. Don't, don't say silly stuff like that. God doesn't have anything evil to put on you. You have to steal it from the devil, and he's not a... Okay, but the devil, he came to kill, destroy, and steal. That's what he came. Anytime he can get you focused on past life, word before you got born again, that's what he's going to do. He's the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses you day and night. So see, not every thought that you have is your thought. Now that's a hard concept for people to, to grasp. I've learned this over 20-some-odd years in, in, in ministry, that when I have a thought, well, if it wasn't my thought, where did it come from? It comes out of the realm of the Spirit. Because there's some, some things that when God speaks to you, He speaks to you in here. He speaks to you in your spirit. So God will say something to you. Now, a lot of people can understand that, but you have to understand that when Satan wants to talk to you, he puts a thought in your head. Now, if, you're, if you don't know spiritual things, you'll think that it's your thought, and that's what he wants you to think. Because what? You'll, you'll readily grasp a hold of it and receive it. And you'll believe it, that you are the one that thought that way. And then what does he do? He, he, he keeps on. He says, look at how mean and evil you are that you have this evil thought in your head, and you're the one that come up with it. So don't go telling people that you're a Christian because your thoughts are not very Christian. Now, he doesn't tell you, I'm the devil talking to you. He, he talks to you in such a way that you think that what's going on in your head is you. All right? So that what? When... When it comes time for you to fellowship with the Father, you won't fellowship. I mean, you don't want to be a hypocrite, right? See, but you've got to get that revelation that not everything that you have in your head is from you. Just because it was in your head doesn't mean you came up with it. It came from an outside source. Brother Hagin said years ago, he said this about thoughts, it's kind of like a bird, you, you know, you, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But you sure can't stop it from building a nest in your hair. Right? right? So that's a thought. That's what Paul said. He said, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? That's a fancy way of saying, take that thought and see, does it line up with, the, with God's will? If it doesn't, get rid of it. Don't even think about it. Not even for a second. Get rid of it. You've got you to take thoughts captive. And then see, does it line up with the will of God? Because see, Satan will use not just himself, but he'll use people to try to put thoughts in your head. Um, you know, <laughs> when the, the, the enemy tried to put cancer on me, I had to be watchful because the doctor, were just telling me the facts as they saw them. All right? I didn't go in there and say, no, nah, no, nah, you're lying to me. I don't have cancer. No, I didn't. They're giving you facts. Uh, you have to have an understanding. Facts are subject to change according to the truth. But if you take facts and you will, you will take a hold of them and say, okay, this is a fact. can't change it then that's what it will be. It, the fact will become a truth in your life. So, that's how Satan gets in, is through your thought life, through your thought processes, and he, he, he brings uh, depression. The depression in the United States alone is a multi-billion dollar business. A billion dollar business. And if you, you don't even have to know a lot about this stuff to realize how, play on words, crazy it is. Because what do they give people that are depressed 
they give them medication that makes them depressed. How goofy is that? You're going to treat depression with depression. Understand. There have been things out there that cure cancers. Natural things. We know the Word of God cures cancers. But yet, the cancer industry is a humongous industry. And not that there's, not, there's people in there that aren't trying to destroy cancer. They are. There is. They're doing what they, they have been taught and what they know. They're trying to get rid of cancer. But the one thing, the reason why they don't release cures for cancer is that's a multi-billion dollar at least business that would just go away. A lot of people's jobs would be affected. All right? That's, that's the truth. Now, again, that doesn't mean people that are in that industry are bad. They're not. I believe 99.9% .9 of them are good people, and they want to get rid of it. But it's, 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 some of the, it's some of the bad ones that keep it around and don't disclose it. There's other things that you can do. We know the power of the Word of God. It heals cancer. All right? And they won't, they won't lean in that direction. All right? They'll, they'll look at it from a scientific point of view. So what you have to do is... You, you don't get mad because they told you the facts, but the facts are always subject to change to the truth. The truth will have an effect. But you've got, to, you've got to learn, and it doesn't matter where you're at with the Lord. The good news is you can be walking with God for 20 years or, or even less. And take the Word of God and it'll work for you. It'll work for anybody else. I'm telling you, to affect your prayer life, all right, because he's accuser of the brethren. Now go to, go to Romans chapter 8, and look at this, Romans 8. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Walk after the spirit, but not the flesh. There's not going to be any condemnation in you. Why? Because you're going to it, that process of walking after the things of the spirit doesn't mean you'll be perfect. Doesn't mean that you'll be sinless. But you'll recognize sin in your life and you'll repent of it immediately. All right. So you're cleansed. All right. It's that simple. But if you walk after the flesh, there will condemnation will get on you. Why? Because you you know you've sinned. And you're continuing to sin, and you haven't even repented of it. Now, let me give you the, the definition of this word. Consciousness. Sin consciousness. So if you have condemnation, you have sin consciousness. You, you know that you've sinned, and, and you've gotten so used to it, you don't even, you, you don't even try to, to overcome it anymore. That's what the enemy's trying to get you on. He's trying to get you to have condemnation. Why? Because you quit fighting. A person that won't fight is defenseless. And the enemy will clean your clock every single time. He doesn't care, he doesn't care whether you're a good Christian, you're a faithful churchgoer, you read your Bible every day. He don't care about that. He doesn't want you to get the revelation. All right? It means pronounced guilty. It means destruction. It also means worthless. So condemnation will make you feel worthless. It will make you feel unworthy to call on God. Make you feel unworthy to seek Him out and seek His forgiveness. So what happens? Depression sets in. And you go to the doctor and they give you some pills and maybe for a time you, you feel a little bit better, but see, there's things just always in the background. They're always there. They're always there. Why? Because you're, you're trying to fight a spiritual battle with natural things. You're going to lose. I mean, that's the truth. You're, if you try to fight spiritual battles with natural ways, all you're going to do, at best, you'll just cover it up for a little, way, for a little bit. But eventually, it's going to come back up. 
It's kind of like a stain in the carpet. You know, if you get a, if you get a stain in the carpet, and uh, let's say you spill ink, all right, and you go get machines to, to suck it all up, back up out of there, and, you know, it looks like, wow, I got rid of it. Then a week later, you come back, and it looks like it's coming back. What's it doing? It's wicking back up. Why? Because you, you haven't taken care of the problem. It's still, it's down there deep. And that's what depression is. You can cover it up with a while for, with medication and through going to therapy and things like that. You can, you can cover it up, but see, even those people that are going through that process and are, are, are covering it up, they still got issues. They still got problems in their life. Why? Because they're, they're trying to fight a spiritual battle in the natural realm, and you'll always live like you're defeated. You have to fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. And, and as Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. So what you have is when you've got depression, you've got a stronghold that's in your life. And the way you get rid of it is through God and through the Word of God. You've got to renew your mind to the Word of God so that what? You think differently and you act differently. You respond to the situation differently. So when you go to pray, you don't pray from a standpoint of con having condemnation because of your past. See, as a believer, when you receive Jesus Christ, His blood washed away all your sins. Completely. Past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus took care of the sin. What remains? You still got flesh. And if you haven't found out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that little um, idea or dream that you have, that your, that your flesh wants to go along with the Spirit. It doesn't. Your flesh never wants to go along with the Spirit of God. You've got to make it. You got to, the way you make it is you renew your mind to the Word, and you said, by golly, this is what the Word of God says. I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. All my sins are forgiven. So what, what does that mean as a believer? Once my sins are forgiven and I commit sin, does it mean I'm not lo no longer a believer? No, it means you got in the flesh. What's the word of God say? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right? So if you sin and you confess it, He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And God's not going to look at your, he does not look at your sin anymore. It's forgotten. If you, if you study Paul's ministry, who, who he, he brutally murdered Christians, when God called him into ministry, God never talked to him about his past. He never talked to him about what you used to do to my people. Why? Because that would be condemnation. God never... Now, now, the people did, and that was Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul's thorn in the flesh was people. It wasn't sickness. Because everywhere he went, he had to put up with Christians saying, Paul, why should we listen to you? Because you killed my cousin. My grandfather, his brother... His, my, his brother's children, we've seen you kill them. Why would we want to listen to you? All right, that was his thorn in the flesh. It was people. And God's response to that is, my grace is sufficient for you because grace is a power. Grace, grace gives you strength. All right? So, there's no condemnation in, for those that are in Christ Jesus. All right? So, uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And I want you to see this. In 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to read to you the King James, and I'll also read another version here. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 10. It says, There are, it may be so, many kinds of voices in the world 
and none of them is without signif signification. None of, there's many voices in the world, none of them without significance. What's that mean? Well, one, one meaning of that is there's many demons in the world. And when they speak to you, they will only speak to you of things concerning you. They won't tempt you with something that is A demon come up to me and say, Michael Basket, there is a whole ice cream in the freezer. Why don't you go in there and eat it? The reason why? I hate mint ice cream. I hate anything mint. I've never had a devil come and tempt me with that. Why? Well, he knows it won't work. So when the devil speaks to you or his demons speak to you, because the devil can only be in one place. He's got little imps. They're everywhere. All right? When they speak to you, they speak that are significant to you. They say things to you that will affect you. So that what you'll you start to believe the natural. And that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll, bring up, they'll bring up your past, they'll bring up your present situation, and they'll want you to. But what did these people over here say about what's going on in your life? Are you going to ignore that? See, what's he doing? He's trying to get you focused on what's happening in your life now. Based on your past, to do what? To get you in condemnation so that when you go and talk to him, you won't have boldness. All right? The Bible talks about, uh, I think it's in Hebrews, that we may boldly come to the throne of grace. All right? Boldness is not being cocky. Boldness simply means that you are assured of the answer. When, you're, when you are assured of the answer, you can boldly go where no man has gone before. It's real simple because you know when you go to the Father and you ask Him for something, it, the answer is going to be what? Sure, son, here you go. Or sure, sure daughter. That gives you both. Why? Because you, you know you, you're not going to get turned down. you never get turned down. Boldly go to the throne of grace. All right? And that's what the Lord wants you, that we as Christians should be bold in coming to the Father. Bold when we pray. Not from the aspect of, I hope that the Lord does this for me. See, that's not bold. That's, that's really fear-based. And you, you'll hear a lot of Christians, when they pray, they'll pray that way. They're praying from the standpoint of fear and not of faith. Fear will not get you anything from heaven. So you'll, you're going to have to quickly, no matter what you're asking the Father for, whether it's healing, wisdom, revelation in a job, um in a marriage, in a relationship, there can't be any fear. And God will always speak to you from that aspect. He will not speak to you from a fearful aspect. He will speak to you in a peace. If there's not a peace, it's not, it's not faith, it's fear speaking. Learn to listen to that inward witness in here, not up here. Because sometimes, uh, many times, what up, what's up here will not match up with what's down here. I know that's a hard concept to, for people to get because you think the two should agree. No, they won't because this is, this is attached to your flesh. This is attached to the spirit. This is where your spirit is. It's inside you. All right, so the, the world has many voices. Let's go to the next one. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the one I wanted to get to. I said I was going to read several scriptures. It's going to be in this one. And I, really, I'm just, because of time, I'm only going to read two. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. It says this Howbeit, we speak wisdom of. Now, that word perfect does not mean without fault, it means mature. Yet, 
not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world. Who, and who's the princes of this world? It's talking about the demonic realm. That's the princes of this world. That come to naught. So here's a revelation right here. It's telling you, we speak wisdom among them that are mature believers. Not the wisdom of the world, because the wisdom of the world says that if you've got something, well, there are a few alternatives that may help, but uh, a lot of times that won't really help at all. That'd be the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of God says, through Christ I can do anything. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. The world doesn't think like that. So we don't speak that wisdom, but we speak the, 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 the power of God. But it says here in the last part, but in demonstration, I'm sorry, nor are the princes of this world that come to naught in other words, the princes of this world, the demonic realm of this world is coming to nothing. Now Jesus already defeated them. It says he made an open show of them. Principalities and powers. When Jesus died and went to hell. I like the story that uh, Dr. Keith Rogan minister I know in, in, in Nashville. He can tell it much better than me, but I still like telling it. You know, the first day that Jesus died, he's in hell. And the devil is, is excited. He says, we got him. We got him now. We got him. We've been waiting for this day. Day two. Hey, we got him. He's in trouble now. He's in hell. We're right where we want him. Day three. It started off okay. <laughs> but then something happened. There was a shaking come up. And all of a sudden, Jesus broke his bonds. Creativity, free. So, so those three days for Satan, the first two sounded pretty good, but after it was downhill from there all the way out. So he spoiled principalities and, and powers. He defeated them. He not only defeated them in hell, but that phrase means that he took Satan and led him through all of hell and showed all of hell that I have beaten this guy. Just as what a Roman army would do. That's why Paul uses that, that phrase. The Roman army, what they would do is when they would go in and conquer a city or a country, they would, they would take the military of that country beat them and torture them and then lead them through the streets so that the people in that town could see that their protectors were defeated. That's what Jesus did with Satan in hell. So he's already done it. They've already been defeated. And that's why scripture it's saying that they are coming to nothing because their power is diminishing now the closer we get. Their power is being diminished. Why? Because the church is getting wisdom and understanding on who they are in Christ. For so long, we didn't know who we were in Christ. But see, there's so much revelation being poured out in these last days that people are starting to see who they are in Christ. Now, I like the Moffat translation. It says this, We do Notice that. Nor of the dethroned powers who rule this world. Satan is defeated. He's defeated right now. But see, his job, what he's still about doing, is he's still going out trying to convince you that he is in authority here. He doesn't have authority anymore. Jesus took that authority back, and he gave it to you and me. Satan is no longer in authority. You have more to do with what happens in your life and more to say about what happens in your life than you think you do. Satan has, has been enabled to, to convince the church that they're helpless, they have very little effect on their lives or other people's lives, and that's not the truth. 
you know, there's a scripture that talks about that man uh, is appointed once to die. And what did Satan do years ago is he convinced the church that it says that man is appointed a time to die. And you hear church, you hear pastors talk about it. Well, you know, we all have a time to die. Isn't that what the Bible says? No, it didn't say that. It says you are, you, you are appointed once to die. Once to die. Meaning what? There is no reincarnation. You die one time, and you go to heaven. You don't come back as a frog, as a dog, as a cat, as a cow. No, you die one time. And that's it. But it also says that God gave you 120 years. Now, man used to live a lot longer than 120 years. But sin what? Sin brought us to the point where we only get 120 years now. Now, there's people that will live longer than that because, you know, what they're believing and, and things like that. <clears throat> but most, most people, if you ask them, how long is the lifespan of man? They tell you about 70 years, 75. So what do you do? What, what do most people do when they hit age 50 and 60? They start planning to die. Because they've been trained. By who? Mainly the church. Because the church is not taught accurate, biblical, what the Bible says about things. You have a lot more to say when you die than what you think you will. You've got to get that revelation. How do you get that revelation? You've got to renew your mind to the Word of God. When you get that mind renewed to the Word of God, you'll, you'll find out what the, how the devil's been operating against you, but also you'll find out the authority that you have over every situation in your life. You'll change how you talk. You know, when, when the enemy tried to put cancer on me, the first thing the father spoke to me in that room, he, he said, son, he said, Michael, you better watch what you say. You better watch what you say. I said, yes, sir. I never, never, never once called it my cancer. Because it wasn't mine. I didn't want it. I hear people talk about it. They, 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 they almost, it's almost like, a, like a, a, a plaque. My cancer. You, do you want it? Well, no. Then quit calling it yours. It's not yours. It came from the devil. Now, I'm not saying you don't have that. It's not, you don't have those symptoms in your body. Yeah, you do. But see, you don't want to take ownership of it. You want to kick it out. And you do that through the Word of God. You learn to speak to certain situations. See, that's, these are things that affect prayer. And if you have condemnation, that's why the devil will work on you to get you in condemnation, to make you think you're not worthy, you're not good enough. You can't stand on the Word of God. That's where he wants you. Why? So he can bury you. Because he ultimately he wants to kill you. And if he could kill you, he'd just go ahead and get it over with. But see, he can't. He has no weapons. Other than the mental realm, that's the only weapon he has against you. Because if Satan could kill you, he'd have killed you a long time ago. He wouldn't wait till now. He doesn't have the power that you think he does. Alright? So, let's look at another one here. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. I mean, people are, are, are persuaded by fear so much to the point that you ever watch TV and you see these commercials come out about drugs and they'll, they'll talk about this drug, you know, give it you know, the, the name, um, whatever it's called, and they don't even tell you what it's for. They tell you, ask your doctor and see if this is good for you. Should I even know what it's about? What does it treat? They don't even tell you that. Why? Because that works. It works on people that are fearful. 
well, by golly, Susan, maybe that's what I've got. I've got to write that down. Next time I go to the doctor, I'll ask him, hey, doc, do I need this? Well, let me see what it's even for. Find out because I might need it. What are you you're operating by fear? Think about it. They use those commercials because why? They work. Because people go to the doctor and ask them about that stuff. That's all how the enemy is working in our lives, trying to get us to get into fear so that we receive what? We receive sickness. And a lot of people were, were conditioned that way, not that we're bad, they're, they're bad people. It's just we're, we're preconditioned to receive something from the enemy, and we don't even recognize it because we've never been taught. But in 1 John, you there, chapter 3. Notice what Paul, what he, what he says here. He says in verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. If our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now Paul said, he said, he said that, I think it's in, in the book of Acts, he said, he said, I always make sure I am confident. I hold on to confidence. Well, he, he, he just clear, he clarifies that. He says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Look at the very next verse, verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Notice, he talks about confidence in one verse. The very next verse, what's he talking about? He's talking about praying. Whatever we ask, we know we have it. Why? Because we have confidence. We're not, con we're not condemned. We're not condemned. We ask in confidence. Why? Because if, if we had sin in our life, we've confessed it, we know the Father would, has forgiven us. That, therefore, we can receive whatever it is we, we need to receive from heaven. Because of what? The confidence that we have. You could call it boldness. But you, you, it's easy to have confidence and boldness when you know that you're cleansed. You're living right. Whatever you ask the Father. Let's look at another one here. You're, you're in 1 John. If you're like my Bible, just look over to chapter 5. You went from 1 John 3, 22. Look at 1 John uh, 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears, me, he hears us. Guess what? All I have to do when I talk to the Father is I've got to first know, is it his will? I knew it was his will to heal me of cancer. So I'm confident of that. And because I was confident that it was his will to heal me of cancer, I was confident that he's hearing me. See how that right. Look at verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So, if I ask anything according to his will, I know he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know I have the petitions, whatever it is I'm asking him for. A better job? If that's what I'm asking for, better job. So, how should that change me? Well, from that point on, I don't go out applying everywhere. I say, Father, is there anything in particular I need to do, consider? Because I, 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 I've asked you for this, for this better job, and I know you heard me because it's, it's your will that I have a better job. It's going to benefit my family this way, this way, and this way. So I know you've heard me, and I know I have the better job. What on my part do I need to do to, to, to see that come into manifestation? I will listen to you, and I'll wait for you. Now what am I going to be? My radar is going out listening for a witness in here. Job comes up on the board at work. 
apply here for this. Do I get a witness here? No, you just ignore it. I see an ad in the paper, and, I, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not going out searching. I'm not digging places. But maybe a buddy says, hey, uh, this company over here is hiring. Have you ever thought about putting an application? No, not really. But then all of a sudden, there's a witness here. Yeah, but I don't know if I'm incapable of doing that. There's a witness here. It doesn't matter. Go by the witness. You know he heard you. You know he wants to give you something better. You know you got the petition. He's, he's already. You're just looking. Where, where's this? Where's that? How do I get linked up to this? See, that, that's a different way of looking at it. In that idea, healing's the same way. You know you have. You know it's His will to heal you. So I know I'm healed. Change my whole outlook. I'm not. I'm not looking at dying. I'm not preparing for things to get worse. I like something that Brother Copeland said one time. He said he had a back problem, and this is year, I remember when he was going through it. Years ago, he had a back problem. He could barely walk. This had been going on for a while. And he got the revelation about the Lord healing him. And he flew into an airport, and he had to go from one end of the airport to the other, which was a pretty large airport. I can't remember which one, but it was like, a, he said it was about a half a mile, three quarters of a mile to go from one section to the other. And he got, off the, he got off the plane and was unloading. And he's believing God to, to heal his back. And there was a, what do they call it, a sky cap? I think that's what they call it. That is in the airport. And he had a wheelchair. He said, sir, do you need a wheelchair? And Brother Copeland said, I, thought to, I started this, but he said something went off in my spirit. A healed man don't need a wheelchair. Now, see, here's real easy to get into the flesh because he's got pain in his body. It's hurting every step. He walked that half a mile to the other, other, um, what do you call it? Terminal, thank you. Got on the plane, still in pain. Sat on a plane, flew home in pain. Got home that night in pain. Ate dinner, went to bed in pain. He woke up the next day, the pain's gone. Amen. See, it's not when we see the manifestation. That's not our part. Our part is the believing part. That's our part. That's, that's my part. That's your part, is the believing part. The manifestation part's not mine. Has nothing to do... I, I knew the day when I went home and I talked to the Lord about this diagnosis of the cancer, and I said, I know you didn't do it, Father. I know the enemy put it on me, but I believe I probably left the door open. And he told me several things. The Father told me. He said, there's three things. There's three areas. And I repented of them. I said, Father, I ask for forgiveness. You're right. I didn't argue with him. I didn't say, I, I didn't try to say, you know, hey, but, you know, these other people have done, no, 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 no. Just own up. It's easier. I repented of him, and he said, okay. He said, in 30 days, Michael, this will all be taken care of. Those were his words. I'd like to say he said, in 30 days, this will I'll heal you. Because that would have changed some things. But he said, in 30 days, this will all be gone. Well, I was scheduled for, 30, for surgery uh, about a little over two weeks from that point. Two and a half weeks. So I had to go through the surgery. Had to go through that whole process. The reports came back in less than 30 days. I had no cancer in my body. I didn't worry about when it showed up. I knew that they, when, he, when he said, these are three areas that you've left an open door, and I repent. I knew, it was, I knew then. My attitude changed. Now, did the devil try to convince me that, Michael, you're going to die? This is it. You're going home. You're leaving this planet. Ain't nobody going to be there to help your grandkids, help your wife, or help your children. Ain't nobody going to be there. You're going home. I mean, that was almost a constant barrage.
I said, no, no. The truth is that by his stripes I'm healed. And I've already heard from heaven, Satan. You're a liar. So you've got to realize something. If Satan's telling you that stuff, it can't be true. Because if it was true, he wouldn't even mess with you. If he were dying, and that was, that was it, you're dying, he would mess with you. Why? He's, he, he knows. He knows in the realm of the spirit. You're already dying. I, I don't need to tell them that they're dying. Don't try. The reason why he comes against you, whatever the situation is, the reason why he comes against you is because it's not set in stone. It's not set in stone. You can change it. By what? The renewing of your mind. No condemnation. Don't get in condemnation. In, listen, to get in condemnation, you basically are saying that the blood of Jesus was not sufficient. So remember this. To allow condemnation in your life, you have to say, and I know you don't mean it, but see, you're basically saying in the realm of the Spirit, the blood of Jesus was not sufficient for me. That's what kind of door it opens. So, for, as a Christian, a Christian should never be in condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God does not use condemnation to get you to do something. He'll never come to you, Travis, and say, Travis, the reason why this happened to you was because you remember six years ago when you went into that store and you were real mean to that person? Now I'm getting you back for what you did. No. That's the God of this world that would do that. And the God of this world is Satan. God doesn't operate that way. The God of this world will try to put condemnation on you. But you ultimately have the upper hand because you can say, there's no condemnation in Christ. One scripture left. Go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Did you get something today? This is how you battle. This is where your faith's at. Don't let condemnation or give room to condemnation in your life. And this is Old Testament. This is really what gets me. This is Old Testament. What we're going to look at, this verse here. It means Jesus hasn't come yet. Watch what God says about your sin here. Verse 25. I, even I, am he that bloweth out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Wow. He'll blotteth out your transgressions. Old Testament. We got a better testament than they had. So if he told the old covenant believers, I would blot out your sins, more they blotted out in it. What he said there. He said, I'll do it for my sake. Why why not? I'll do it for my sake. Why? Because if I if I don't blot them out completely and I remember them, I'll put you in condemnation. And I'm not going to put you in condemnation. So for my sake, I blot your sins out, your transgressions out, and I will not remember your sins. The only way God will know of your sin is if you bring it up again to him. See, flesh remembers sins. If you don't believe me, just ask your spouse. Because they'll remember what you did 15 years ago.
That's flesh. That, but that's true. I mean, that's, that's flesh. God doesn't. If you said, well, Lord, you remember when I was 10 years old and I stole that, that, that box of candy? He'd say, no, I don't remember that. Well, sure you do. I was 10 years old. We, were, we was living in that house over there in the neighborhood. Dad had lost his job, and I went to the store that day, and I was really hungry, and, and there was a box of candy right there, and I took it and put it in my... I don't remember that, son. What do you, what do you mean you don't remember that? I remember it. You don't remember that? No. Because he said it. For his sake. He said he was not going to remember our sins anymore. Quit dealing with God in your past. Because he's not in your past. He's in your future. Your future is hid in Christ. Who you are is hid in Christ. It's not in your past. If you're going to sit here and look at your past and base your future based on what you did in the past and how bad you were or whatever, or you can take the other side of that coin, how good you were. I was so good, I never sinned or anything, so therefore I shouldn't have to do anything. You'd be just in much trouble as the person that sits there and looks and says how bad they were. Amen? Let's stand up. Praise be to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. No condemnation. No condemnation. So guess what? When we go to pray, when we, when we take the word and we speak it over our situations, we know we have the petitions. All we've got to do is if it's his will. And I'm not going to base it on, on my past. I'm not going to listen to that voice that keeps telling me you're not worthy. You blew it. Well, the next time Satan does that with you, just tell him, listen, Satan, you blew it even bigger than any of us because you were there and you fell away. And you're going to hell. And you're going to spend eternity in hell. He'll leave you alone for a season and he'll come right back. That talking that he's whispered in your head will stop when you remind him about his future. It works. First time I heard that, I thought, ah, oh, I don't know about that. And he left me alone. I said, what? To hear that stuff. No, he doesn't like to hear about his future. And he doesn't want you speaking what the Word of God says about your future. He wants you to agree with what he says and what the world says. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for this divine revelation. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your word says you sent your word and you healed us and you delivered us from all of our transgressions. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. How do you know if you're worrying about something? I hear this by the Spirit of the Lord. Somebody, maybe you're, you're, you have worry. He said, how do you know if you're worried about something? You think about it all the time. If you're always thinking about the situation and you say, well, I'm in faith, I'm believing God to do something, but you're always thinking about it, you're worried. It'll hinder your faith. Don't worry. Don't worry. Your prayers, what you've said over the concerning the Word of God, the situation in your life, God's moving in there. But don't worry about it. Take no thought. Take no thought. Speak the word over the situation and get in peace. And the situation will change. The situation will change. Worrying about anything will not make it better. 
you'll never hear, and I've never heard testimony, uh, well, how did you overcome this? Well, we just worried about it. Mm-hmm. We just, we, we, we got our family together, we got the neighbors together, and we all just sat around the room wringing our hands and just worrying, and it just disappeared. You never heard testimony. Take no thought. Take no thought about tomorrow. For tomorrow is of itself. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. God's moving in new situations. Let Him move. Get in peace. It says in Colossians, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. What his word says concerning you, and when you stand on that word, say, I, I believe that, Father. I believe it. It's changing right now. Doesn't mean it's manifesting right now. It can. But it already is changing right at that moment. It's, it's starting to change. It may, it may be a day, a week, month, year, ten years. It doesn't matter. You can't, you can't let time say, well, well, Lord, if you don't manifest in such a period of time, I'm going to quit believing. The only person that's going to hurt is you. It, it, God's got a lot of time. So I got a little bit of different understanding and, and uh, feeling on life and things like that. The worst thing the devil can do to me is kill me, and that's not even a loss because I get to go home. I'm not looking to do that. I'm not believing that. It's my time, but fear leaves you. When fear leaves you, see, you can look at things totally differently. But so many people are gripped with fear. The world's gripped in fear. If you've got a problem with fear, in, uh, I think it's 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Take that scripture and speak it over yourself throughout the day. If you've got to, write the scripture down. Carry it with you. And you start to feel that, that fear come up. Hold on, no, Father, you did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. If I'm worrying about something, that's not soundness of mind. It's fear. Recognize fear in your life. Recognize condemnation. Because these things affect your prayer. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spend some time talking to the Father about situations. And not so much your time, you telling Him. Just say, Father, I want to listen to what you have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take some time out. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to shut the TV off. I'm going to shut the radios off and iPod and iPhone and all, all the i stuff. It's just going to be you and me. And it's going to be more you than me. Listen to what He says. Listen to what he says and do it. Let the peace of God roll in your heart because you know you're doing what the Father said. See, that's how you keep that peace in here because you know you're doing what the Father said. That peace stays. About storms in life. I've said this before. Storms in our lives will reveal what's really in our hearts. Now, we're not believing for storms. But a storm, you can take it and turn it around. What did you learn in that storm? Well, I didn't learn anything. Well, you're going to go through the storm again. Rest assured, you'll go through it again. Because you didn't learn anything. But when you go through a storm and you... Okay, now the next time that storm comes, I'm not going to go through it. I'm going to go over it. (laughs) I'm going over it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Glory to God.
Glory to God. You got pain in your body. Anybody that has pain in their body, uh, come on up here. Lord.